lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace alongside Todders and Aaron McIntyre. We've got a jam-packed show coming up for you today. At the bottom of this hour, we're going to have a conversation about how to best organize and understand uh, a new level of indoctrination going on in the schools with your kids that maybe you've not looked at before. The school counselor could very well be the tip of the spear when it comes to uh, letting the spirit of the age uh, infest your children. We'll get into that here at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of spirit of the age, infiltration with immigration uh, in the news now. We are getting all the same bad faith actors with all the same bad theology takes on the immigration issue. So if you guys don't mind, we've only got one more chapter left in our study of uh, my most recent book, Do What You Believe, that's the conclusion. I'm going to put that off for a week if you guys don't mind. And I'm going to debunk some stinking thinking because literally everything that you're being told uh, about um, what Christianity has to say on the immigration issue is just completely wrong. It's just completely wrong. That's a shocker. And I'm sure you're going to be shocked, but we're going to actually let the lion out of its cage and uh, let it speak to us on the issue as opposed to our human projection. Uh, We'll play our weekly game of three non-political questions as well. In the overtime today, uh, we have been running a poll for the last couple of days on my Twitter feed. What have you been personally more exposed to? Someone that suffered a severe reaction or death from COVID or a severe reaction or death from the COVID jab? And I don't know if you guys have seen this study that came out uh, yesterday from the Spirit of the Age journal uh, known as the Lancet itself. But this is what they're now even admitting in their own journals. Are you ready for this? This is a study from the Lancet. They did a a follow-up. Uh, a 90-plus-day follow-up to uh, young um, young adults, median age of 17. Hmm. Median age of 17 who reported myocarditis or confirmed myocarditis diagnoses as a result of the poisonous jabs. All right? So median age, just 17 years old. And remember, Fauci and all those guys told us, well, you know, a little myocarditis never hurt anybody. It goes away, right? They Remember they told us all these things? All right. So they did a 90-plus a day, so at least three-month follow-up. Peak young people in the prime of their lives. Here's what they found. 90-plus days after the diagnosis. One out of four still had abnormal EKGs. Almost half still had abnormal MRIs. More than three months later, one in five still could not, quote, perform usual daily activities, end quote. That study is up right now over at the Spirit of the Age journal, The Lancet. Small price to pay, man, for something that is less threatening than the flu for your age group. I mean, you can count it all joy. That you offered your body up to the World Economic Forum and the transhumanist movement. That you were willing to make that sacrifice for the greater good, of course. And I have that study up on my social media accounts. And I I don't, I, I shouldn't, but I'm going to. 
I don't know, some of you, I'm not sure, or you, maybe you're not aware, because I don't want to come off as rude. But frankly, I think you make some very rude requests. Maybe some of you are not aware of how many hours I put in a day. So no, because you're not on social media, I don't have time to send all of you special links. No, I don't have time to go back to my social media channels and you can't find it and send it to you. Do you know how many of these I get today? I'd imagine quite a bit. I mean, I'm not a waiter, for goodness sakes. I mean, I can't make it any more convenient other than everything is linked forever on all my social media accounts. And I put it on all of them for when Facebook and Twitter then try to erase them later on or suspend me for them, right? So if you're about to send me that request, please stop. I am just from now on not going to answer them because you put me in a very difficult position. I get over 300 emails a day. I do not have time to bookmark everything for you when I have already bookmarked everything for you. All right? So please stop that. And with that, everybody happy, ready to go? I feel better. And with that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened. Oh, I forgot to say. Um, the polling results. Let me finish that point. Um, we asked this question, have you had more interaction with someone in your life that had a severe reaction or death from COVID or a severe reaction or death from the COVID jab? The polling results are two to one. I've had more reaction with someone who had a severe reaction or death from the jab than the virus itself. Two to one. I think the final results are 67-33, so literally two to one. We're going to discuss those results in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. We will record it right after today's show and then upload it for you later today at blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. And now, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by all political violence is bad, but some is less bad than others. A 41-year-old man named Shannon Brandt has admitted to police that he struck and killed an 18-year-old named Kaylor Ellingson after the two allegedly had a fight about politics. Brandt told police the victim was, quote, part of a Republican extremist group. During his initial court hearing, Brandt had a tough time understanding why he was being charged with vehicular manslaughter, among other charges. I have a job and, a, and a, a life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. Family that are very important to me. Brandt was subsequently released on $50,000 bond. Here's the kicker. All this went down in North Dakota. North Dakota, a 41-year-old man killed an 18-year-old because he was, quote, extremist, extreme MAGA Republicans, extremist threat to our democracy, extremism, the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement and is now back out on the streets in North Dakota. Moving on, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals has granted the Department of Justice a stay on certain parts of Judge Aileen Cannon's ruling appointing a special master in the case of the Mar-a-Lago raid by the FBI. The Department of Justice apparently successfully argued that letting Trump's legal team review the alleged classified documents seized at Mar-a-Lago would damage national security. Judge Cannon's order of appointment of a special master made it clear that Trump's team could indeed review the documents, but it doesn't matter because we live in a banana republic. The 11th Circuit's ruling came the same day New York Attorney General Letitia James announced Trump, his business, and family 
are all under investigation for fraud, which we discussed yesterday. Speaking of the DOJ, they've now admitted they're investigating MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell for alleged identity theft. The Federal Reserve has hiked interest rates by another astounding 75 basis points yesterday. Senator Ted Cruz has caved to Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee over a bill that would allow mainstream legacy media outlets to form formal cartels in order to negotiate favorable distribution deals with social media companies and would likely leave conservative outlets in the dust. According to a report at Breitbart, Cruz has not responded to any direct questions about his caving to Democrat Amy Klobuchar, who proposed the bill. Cruz's office instead released a vague statement affirming the First Amendment and their opposition to censoring of conservatives. Anthony Fauci persists in the big lie. You know what the thing I think would be the best thing to do would be to open up those markets and let them you know it's too bad now the markets are closed. But the scientists who wrote those papers in Science and Cell, they have pretty definitive data that these animals, which were outlawed and not allowed to be in a market where people can be in contact with them, were actually brought there because they bring in a lot of money, people buy them for ceremonial dinners, and yet they deny that. That's the thing that you really want them to come clean on, still keeping a completely open mind that it could have been any of the above. Lab leak, this and that, natural, whatever it is. A new book alleges Anthony Fauci laughed at people for following his own guidance on COVID. In an excerpt from his upcoming book, former White House spokesman Brian Morgenstern writes, quote, Fauci went on to laugh about how ass-backwards it was that people entered a restaurant wearing a mask, then sat down and conversed with people without a mask. Yet he wasn't saying things to that effect publicly, just laughing privately at the American rubes he was fooling, end quote. In completely unrelated news, a new tentative plan in Washington state would pay state employees $1,000 to drink hemlock or take their COVID boosters. A tweet from CBS News, fetuses are big fans of carrots, but not leafy green vegetables. And you can tell by the look on their faces. Stacey Abrams, do you have any sciencey thoughts in response? There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take a follow-up on that straight demonic story out of Vanderbilt University yesterday. Daily Wire's Matt Walsh announced this morning he and state lawmakers are working on a bill that would ban the genital mutilation and chemical castration of minors. And finally, Joe Biden told critics of his cognitive abilities to, quote, Watch me. So we are. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me, watch me. Uh, Mr. President, thank you. Watch me, watch me. At the end of such a momentous event. Watch me. That mashup video is courtesy of Greg Price on Twitter, and that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage today brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. If you don't feel confident about the future, um... Congratulations for having a single working brain cell. All right. And that's why you want to take advantage 
of the three-month emergency food kit from our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Get 20% off right now. Their popular three-month emergency food kit. This includes breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, even drinks as well. For you and everyone in your household, the full 2,000 plus calories a day that you need and are looking for. And it stays good for more than 20 years with proper storage as well. Uh, you can feed everyone in your household for three solid months right now, but this sale ends soon. So take advantage of it. 20% off. It's their biggest discount yet. 20% off and free shipping when you order from my landing page at mypatriotsupply.com. I'm sorry, preparewithdace.com. Yeah, I've done this ad enough. You'd think I'd remember what the script is. Preparewithdace.com is where you want to go for my Patriot supply. Again, that is preparewithdace.com. Let's get to the montage here. And boy, howdy, is this thing loaded for bear. So I'm just going to go through these things one by one. Uh, during the Tea Party era, we heard this almost this exact same. MAGA is the new Tea Party, is the new Christian right is the new um, um, Reagan conservative. Um, it, it's it, the new Goldwater extremist. This is this has been going on more, longer than you and I have been alive, Todd. It yeah. has been manufactured really and, and reset since the 60s with Goldwater, all right? In, to which in response, Goldwater responded, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice, right? All right. Um, but if you'll recall, this went on during the Tea Party years, a very similar kind of branding to what you're seeing now with the term MAGA. And the result was that a gentleman walked into the uh, corporate offices of the Family Research Council one day there in Washington, D.C., and began opening fire. And if it was not for the fact that a trained security guard was there also armed and took him down, he would have massacred who knows how many people. That ended up actually being the first domestic terrorism conviction in Washington, D.C. history. Um, it's just that that story is rarely ever discussed because he tried to kill all the right people. Uh, and, and they found, by the way, uh, all kinds of literature and stuff about Chick-fil-A and, uh, you know, homophobia and everything else. They found that in his person. That's why he was motivated to go in and begin opening fire upon the Family Research Council. And it was just a few years ago that we saw a rabid Bernie Sanders supporter go to the suburban ball field there in Washington, D.C. and open fire on Republican members of Congress. And it just so happens that Steve Scalise happened to be playing in that softball game that day. And as a member of leadership, he was granted secret security protection. And so they were able to open fire on the shooter. Otherwise, who knows how many body bags we would have carried out of that event. In other words, this is not anything new. Recall the videos that we showed shortly after Trump was elected in 2016, and you saw all kinds of people assaulting, beating Trump supporters, and yet Trump is the fascist. I don't know what history books you guys read. Typically, the people that are doing the beating of others for their views typically are the fascist. That's typically how it works, right? Um, so this is not anything new. They have primed this pump, and that's why outside of Fox News, no other mainstream media outlet is really covering this story. But here's another angle to this story that maybe you won't hear too many other places. How many Republicans have you seen speak out about this? How many Republicans in North Dakota have you seen speak out about this? You know, another fake red state. Okay. Did you see this LifeNews.com, which is a pretty popular pro-life website? Mm -hmm. They copied, I think it was North Dakota's attorney general calling on him to hold this individual accountable. On Twitter, they blocked LifeNews.com. In response. In response. There you go. 
one of their own voters and a kid gets run over. The guy who did it, by the way, called the cops and admitted that's why he did it. He called 911 and said, hey, I ran this kid over because he was an extremist. That's why I did it. He literally said that. And he's out on the streets right now on bail. And almost, I've, I've, I've seen Marjorie Taylor Greene say something. I think I saw Ted Cruz say something about it this morning. It's been very, I, 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 you know, where's all these Republicans in North Dakota? The vast majority of Republicans saying nothing. While a teenage conservative gets run over. Is a chef's kiss level of metaphor for the relationship, the dysfunctional, abusive, and apparently never-ending relationship conservatives have with the Republican Party. And if you think that the MAGA movement is going to do what the Reagan movement didn't, and the Tea Party movement didn't, and the Christian right movement didn't, that it's going to reform these old wineskins, I've got 30 years of American political history to, to sell you on that. But I wish you well. Prove me wrong. Good luck. This should be a commercial in every swing district and in every swing race for the GOP today. Today. That commercial. In fact, the narrative ought to be Republicans pounce on random act of violence of crazed a crazed American who should have been locked up in a mental ward. That should be the mainstream media and uh, coverage today in response to Republicans actually pouncing. Instead, what happened is about a third of them yesterday voted to make your air conditioning suck with the World Economic Forum scam right out of the United Nations. Instead, they did that. The red wave is coming to save you, Barbara. Speaking of which, two Trump-appointed justices were on the circuit, the 11th Circuit Court and voted against the president and in favor of the Department of Justice in the Mar-a-Lago case. Two judges that Trump appointed. I believe there's only three on a circuit, right? Isn't it two out of three? I believe so. I believe it's three. I could be wrong. I know it's not more than right. typically five, but I think it's only three. I think you're right. That means meatloaf was wrong. Two out of three can be bad. Very bad. So two Trump-appointed justices voted with the Department of Justice's fishing expedition yesterday. And you could already see, as we discussed yesterday, the way this was trending with the special master, essentially saying that it's up to Team Trump. The burden of proof here is on the defendant. Mike Lindell, a word of advice. Next time, dude, because you know, multimillionaires are a known associative group. We often profile for identity theft. Just out there looking to pilfer your $800 credit limit Visa card and your PayPal account so they can play Grand Theft Auto 69 with their buddies all day, right? It's well known. It's well known. So we, we always begin with identity thefts with multimillionaires, always looking, always looking for someone else's social security number. It's a well-known fact. Anyway, Mike, if you're listening, Next time, dude, just go rape some girls on Epstein Island. 
rape some human traffic trafficked girls on Epstein Island and run over a teenage Republican in the streets. Just do that. And you're good to go, bro. You are good to go. Just rape some tr- human trafficked girls on Epstein Island and run over a teenage Republican in the streets. And you're cherry, brother. But now we must break you. Back to Ted Cruz for a minute. I specifically requested that Aaron would put this story in the montage. And I did so because maybe someone in this audience still can get responses from Ted Cruz. I cannot and haven't been able to for much of this year. So I've given up. I don't know what this story is. I saw this report from Breitbart today. So I would like to get clarification, but there's been several times this year I've liked to get clarification from Ted Cruz, including why the hell did you vote for the never-ending story of Ukraine? And have gotten no answers. So I specifically requested that Aaron would put that story into the montage in the hopes maybe someone in this audience still has an email or a text or a phone call that Ted will return. And maybe I can get, we can find out the truth of that story there from Breitbart because I don't know anything other than the story that I read from Breitbart this morning and that's when I sent the link to Aaron and asked him can you please put this in the montage so, and to add a little bit further context if I may I believe Amy Klobuchar this is her bill that allows legacy local or national media outlets to form formal cartels in order to be able to as I understand it cut deals with big tech to improve their distribution Uh, it would basically leave smaller outlets, conservative outlets, in the dust. Mm -hmm. She has put this bill forth, I believe, three times uh, between Senator Cruz and others, uh, but mainly Senator Cruz. It has been sandbagged twice. For whatever reason, he changed his mind this third time, allegedly. Allegedly, because we don't know. I don't know anything about it. I haven't even heard of this controversy. I can't keep up on everything. So I've not even heard about this. Till I read the story from Breitbart today. But once I did, thank you, Aaron, for the further clarification. I sent it over to him and said, put it in the montage. I didn't tell him why, though, but then this is why. Maybe it's a bat signal attempt. Maybe somebody out there knows what the truth of this is, all right, and can uh, get to it because I apparently no longer can. Um, raise your hand if you're surprised to learn that Anthony Fauci laughed at you behind your back. Anyway, let's move on. Um, how good does a medicine have to be to have to pay people to take it? Right? Like how good, how, how good does it have to be? Used to be just a spoonful of sugar helped the medicine go down. Now, dude, it takes a dime. You got to drop a dime on somebody. All right. Didn't Willy Wonka Wonka literally pay all those kids to eat his candy? Yes. Isn't that the the way the story goes? Yes. It takes $1,000. And in Washington State, this is Washington State, where you have places like Spokane and Seattle, where people would literally offer themselves as sacrifices to Big Pharma. And count it all joy to suffer for the name. If the state of Washington has to get you, has to pay you a grand, that's not an insignificant amount of money, by the way, 
has to pay you $1,000 to continue to take the hemlock. If you live in the state of West Virginia right now, your governor from day one has been a branch covidiot, complete, complete branch covidiot, still is. He was out there rebuking Biden yesterday for or two days ago for saying the pandemic is over. You live in a fake red state. A Democrat has not won a precinct in your state in what? Since 2008 in a presidential election. However, Shelley Capito announced today that she's going to side with Joe Manchin and the Democrats, and she's actually to the left of Joe Manchin in your state. So that's cool. Your governor, your governor is like a dumber Mike DeWine. That, that an okay description? It's too tame. Your, your, your governor is like the Uncle Elmer of Mike DeWine's. Maybe that's how I'd describe it. The Uncle Elmer of Mike DeWine's. He can't get enough. All right? If, if, in, if, if in blue of blue Washington... They got to bribe their people a grand to keep taking the gene juice. I, to me, that's your starting point down there in West Virginia. The negotiation begins there. The market has been set. It's been set in the state of Washington. It takes $1,000 to get me to take another dosage of this cancer shot, of the clot shot. It's another, it's another grand. All right, to take, take in a, a heart attack in a syringe a miscarriage in a syringe, ringing in my ears and Bell's palsy in a, in a syringe, nerve damage in a syringe, permanent ongoing genetic alteration into transhumanism in a syringe. It starts, this is just, guys, it's just simple economics, right? You're free agents right now. It's free agent season. You know, we're in the free agent season of the jab right now. Washington State's put out a bid out there. It's a thousand bucks. They're offering that. If you live in a state like West Virginia where you know your governor would jab, would jab everything that moves if he could, all right, um, I think you're starting at a grand. So if you're in Charleston, Morgantown, any there, you know, um, I, to me, I, I just think you start at a grand and then you see what, you know, what your state comes up with. And I wouldn't settle for anything less than like 2,500, anything less. Certainly... Certainly your genes have to be worth at least $2,500, at least. If they're worth at least a grand in Washington State, what do you think you're worth in West Virginia? So, you know, the longer you hold out, the sweeter the deal. CBS News confirming for all of us what pro-lifers have told you for years, well, decades really, that everyone agrees and knows that it is a baby and has all along until they determine that they don't want it. And then... Like the doctrines of demons they begin espousing, they come up with all kinds of different terms in order to justify maiming it and murdering it, right? That's correct. Yeah, we all know and have known and always knew. We are, as Paul writes in Romans, without excuse. We all have known and knew all along that it was a baby. It just came down to, was it valued based on our wanting of it? Because this is a death cult straight out of the bowels of hell. What exactly has Stacey Abrams ever told the truth about? She doesn't need to. She doesn't need to. I mean, she has she has made an industry out of out of lying. She is a professional liar. And not even a really, you know, not even a really good one. That's what makes her so good, though. But that's probably what makes her so good is that she understands this is literally all I could do in life is just lie for a living. That's literally all I could do. And so I'm, you know. Hate the game, not the player. She's going to lean into it, and and and, when, and she does well. 
And when people pushing vaccines know they can get away with it because they'll think this is a new improved vaccine if you attach $1,000 instead of you're being bribed to take poison, mm-hmm. they see it the other way. Why wouldn't she lie? What disincentive in a fallen world is there to not lie? Like, this has been the year of Matt Walsh. Uh, between the book, Johnny the Walrus, the the, the extraordinary film, uh, What's a Woman?, and now what he has unearthed at Vanderbilt University. And to get that legislature and that Mike DeWine wannabe governor down there to, to even acknowledge this in such a short amount of time. I mean, I, I mean, Matt has... I mean, Matt has... Matt has done extraordinary work this year. Beyond the peddling of wares, Matt has taken as many if not more scalps than anybody in our industry or movement has in the year 2022. He, he does things. He doesn't just say things. And he pointed that out today. He said, I'm tired of winning just rhetorical arguments. Right. I know I can win those. I'm good at that. So are people in our industry. We need to go out and take the scalps and we're gonna. Yeah. I mean, that's right on the money. It goes along with what our buddy Matthew Peterson said at a conference that we quoted last week. I'm tired of hearing about what conservative is. I want to start seeing what conservatism does. Mm-hmm. Right. And Matt goes out there and does those things. However, if you are Governor Bill Lee, you didn't have to wait for an investigation. If there was a white or any unmarked van and you saw it grab a kid off your street, I would presume you would not wait for an investigation. You would intervene at that moment to try to save that child, right? You know, I don't know why I didn't point this out yesterday. Governor Lee calling for an investigation after Matt Walsh just did an investigation. That's your investigation, well, there's bro. That, there's that too. He did your investigation. Yes. So I guess this, should, this thing should be pretty quick then. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, the arrests begin 24, 36 hours tops, Set probably. Up the gallows. Let's yeah. get this thing done. I'm, I'm in. I am in for some gallows daily, in fact. More in a moment. We talked a lot uh, last year about paint your life, particularly heading into Christmas time. And if you guys remember, um, I ended up getting a picture, the oldest picture I have of uh, my mama and me. Uh, I ended up uh, giving it to them. Uh, There it is. Thank you, Aaron. You got the photo. Look what they did with that. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure who looks younger, me or my mom. Remember, she was 15. I don't think I'm three yet or just about three in that photo. So my mom's about 18. I mean... They took a warped photo that's over 45 years old, and they did that with it. If you're watching on Blaze TV or on Rumble later, you get uh, you get a chance to see how good their handiwork is. I mean, my mom has this thing framed and prominently displayed. They do phenomenal work, and uh, we want to get you involved with them right now. If you're looking for something extra and special and unique this Christmas, and Todd Christmas is only 93 days away, my friend. Uh, Paint Your Life does amazing work like that. So if you want to give a truly meaningful gift, professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price, or you want to combine photos of people or places into one painting, they can do that for you as well. Get a special offer from them right now. 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. And when you're talking about how big these portraits are, the shipping thing is matters, all right? So free shipping and 20% off if you text my name, Steve, 
to 87204. That's text Steve to 87204. Again, that's Steve to 87204. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Steve to 87204. All right. Uh, our guest here today comes um, with some very um, esteemed billing. So there is instant pressure on him uh, to perform uh, becomes because he does come with the personal recommendation of our friend Matthew Peterson over at Claremont Institute. Uh, his website is courageisahabit.org. Courageisahabit.org. Let's welcome Alvin Louie to the program. So Alvin, the pressure is on you, brother. You better bring it. You ready to go? <laughs> I am ready to go. I will not let you down. So the kids are all back in school, right? Yes, sir. And I've got two teenagers right now. Um, and, and you know, teenagers, we've all been there, can have complicated emotions, feelings, can feel certain ways and not even understand why they do. Um, and, and a lot of times they're looking for clarity. Sometimes they've heard enough from mom and dad or their friends don't understand, but they want to get an adult perspective. And so they go right. to see the school counselor, right? Right. What right. could possibly go wrong with that, Alvin? What could possibly go wrong? They're just guidance counselors. Right. Right. Uh, and I think that is the big problem with orgs uh, like the American School Counselor Association. So for those that haven't heard about them. The American School Counselor Association, or ASCA, as we call them, uh, basically has 50 chapters in all 50 states, a chapter in all 50 states, and all the counselors in K through 12, all the school counselors, take their missions and objectives from ASCA. Now, parents don't look at school counselors because they still believe that school counselors are the same school counselor that are called guidance counselors. You remember them? Mm -hmm. uh, that's what we believe they are. Uh, the guidance counselors basically went the way of the flu in 2020 and 21. Now, we, know, we don't know what happened to them. But about 2008, 2010, that really changed for ASCA. Uh, so now they are the group that pushes the transgender ideology and critical race theory in schools more than anyone else. Hmm. I know that we focus a lot on teachers, school boards, and absolutely, we definitely should do that. But the counselors, the school counselors from ASCA, they have largely operate it without impunity. They've been doing it in plain sight because no one looks at them. Are you, so that's where we come in. Are you basically saying that as we've learned over the last 29 months, right. where we have seen American medicine has, has been fully weaponized by the spirit of the age, whether right. it is via COVID or whether it's via any other form of woke identity politics. Mm -hmm. And and so the, even the idea now, it, and this thing is, has, has, metastasized to a molecular level, even the idea that I know that even my long-term primary care physician, I have a first name basis relationship with, I'm not sure if he or she is infected at any, at any point in time by this agenda. Are you saying that that's exactly what's gone on with the run of the mill American Gothic painting known as the school guidance counselor? That's absolutely right. And when you go to these organizations, you go to these people and you say, Hey, you guys are pushing critical race theory, not as a theory. They don't teach critical race theory. That's the mistake that a lot of parents still try to hit them. You're teaching critical race theory. They're not teaching it as a theory. They are changing the culture of the school to believe it as truth. That's two different things. The best way I can describe it is if you say, hey, the school is teaching Buddhism. That's one thing. If they're teaching a class, 
if the schools transform into a Buddhist temple, that's a whole different that's a whole different thing because it means that you're not when you walk in that temple, you're not studying Buddhism, you're adopting that as a lifestyle. And that's what's happened with the cultural response to teaching critical race theory. That's why you can't pin it down because it's changed the entire system's change. Same thing with the transgender ideology. So the counselors, when you talk about a teacher, like a woke teacher, yes, they can change the culture of a classroom. Yeah, there's a lot of teachers in a school that can change the culture of a school too. But the counselors, they change the entire culture of the schools. They admonish teachers that don't say the right things. They admonish the principals. So they change the culture. That's what ASCA teaches them. So when you go to these people and you say, hey, that's what you're doing. What do they always tell you? We just support all students. We just support all students. That's all we're doing. We're not political. We're neutral. We're neutral. We're in the neutral box. You're basically saying they're the Karen stormtroopers here. They're the, yes, inf- they're, the, they're, they're the enforcers of the agenda. They are. They are absolutely the enforcers. But they do it with a smile. We just, we, we just love so, so is Karen at the cul-de-sac with her coexist bumper sticker on her EV Subaru. She does it with That's a smile, exactly too. Right. Yeah. She does it with a smile, too. And then, you know, they, they call you a, a bigot with a smile. And so what we did was we said, all right, fine. Okay. So they had a conference in July. Okay. Their annual conference in Austin. So we went. And we grabbed their videos, we grabbed their handouts, we grabbed their PowerPoint slides, we grabbed all the things that they trained school counselors. Now remember, they have a chapter in all 50 states. All, most of the counselors take their mission from them. And if the counselors that don't take their mission from them, they're gonna get bullied and doxxed their, by their own. So we grabbed all their information and we said, okay, we're gonna create a campaign called Behind Closed Doors. Behind Closed Doors. So Courage is a Habit put out a campaign called Behind Closed Doors, and we released a fraction of what we found, an absolute fraction, because when you're trying to convince and show a large group of people something that they never thought about, you can't just dump, we can't just dump the 300 slide deck that we found and said, here, here's all the, all 300 slides, here's all, you know, uh, 20 hours of videos. We can't do that. So we have to release it a little at a time so that people understand what we're saying. So we released it on a Wednesday, September 7th, behind closed doors. And by Saturday morning, uh, I get an email from my web hosting uh, provider that said that ASCA went to Amazon, which is where the hosting has the servers, and basically uh, uh, had Amazon bully my web hosting to uh, break the link to my campaign. Now there's more. So they broke the link on my website to the campaign, but my campaign, uh, which is a PDF that featured just their stuff, we're just featuring their stuff. So We're just them in their anything. in their natural habitat. Nothing edited. Not in their natural That's habitat. That's it. Okay. Yep. That's it. And then, but it was sitting on Google Drive. Then they went to Google and had the entire campaign removed. Wow. Now this is within five days. Within five days of me of us releasing uh, uh, behind closed doors. And so my question is. If all you're doing is loving students and supporting students, all students, and that's all we're doing, what are you so afraid of? And that was our point. They don't want parents to know what they're doing. They've been hiding in plain sight. And the campaign, and this was only our first shot. I, I actually was surprised at how much they overreacted because I, we had a lot more coming out. We thought, you know, we would have to, you know, kind of hit them a little bit before they reacted. But they did it right away. And uh, and and so then, so we had to move it to another uh, file structure. But so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to alert parents that, hey, you know, you can look at the one book in this classroom or a teacher, a uh, woke teacher, but really it's the school counselors. They're the bodies that push this the most. And, and the worst part of it is they actually have access to vulnerable students. That's the next students. thing I was going to point out to you. Teachers can wreak a lot of, wreak a lot of, of havoc 
you know, um, as we have seen for decades in a corporate setting or professors. But when I go see a counselor, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm, I'm either opening myself up to vulnerability or I'm already in a state of vulnerability. And we're likely in a one-on-one scenario where that level go. of intimacy and connection is easier to make, which provides a much simpler conduit for that level of indoctrination. 100%. Because a lot of, you know, in the transgender cult, over 30% of children who get wrapped up into this um, have autism because there's no such thing as a transgender child. It's just child abuse. And then the other percentage that doesn't have autism always have some kind of underlining uh, mental condition. Either they're, uh, you know, they have anxiety, bipolarism, uh, they have, uh, you know, a body issues, not, you know, eating issues, uh, bulimia, those kind of things. And so, or maybe they don't have any issues, but they're just going through a hard time. Something happened in the family, uh, something happened in their community, something happened to their friends, extended family. And so they're just having a hard time. And instead of what counselors used to do, uh, bring the parents together, let them know, work together and say, this is what we're seeing at school. What are you seeing at home? They're driving them to the transgender cult. They're driving them to pronouns or driving them to the GSA clubs uh, in school. And then they're keeping the parents out. Uh, I can't tell you how much we have from their uh, trainings, not just in this conference, but in other trainings, other webinars, that they teach their school counselors how to stonewall the parents. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. And that's how they're separating the kids from the parents. And then they're redefining words, as they always do, right? Just like inclusion, diversity, they redefine words. And the biggest word that they redefine right now, or, or actually two biggest words, is safety and abuse. Because if they can d- redefine the word safety and abuse, they will have an excuse to, to separate the parents and the children. That's what they're doing. Every other word out of their mouth is safety, safety. They don't mean the same thing as you and I mean. As parents, we mean safety, physical safety. They're not hanging out with the wrong crowd, don't do drugs, things like that. What they mean is the parents aren't affirming you. Mm-hmm. Parents aren't affirming you. You're mm-hmm. not safe. Abuse is when the parents don't call you by your right pronouns, don't call you by your right names. That's abuse. So you see, when they change those two words, that's extremely dangerous because they can they can manipulate any uh, child services, anything like that once they manipulate those two words. And that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what we've been finding when we go into the, their conferences and their trainings. All right. So now that we have sufficiently freaked out every parent that is listening and watching right now, um, let's spend these last two or three minutes on tips of what to do about this, how to spot this. I yes. think the most, the best thing to do would be to head it off at the pass rather than try to right. confront it after the fact. But sometimes right. you're not, you're in that situation as well. Give us some tips in both cases, Alvin. Absolutely. Every parent, I want to, I want to tell parents that you are not as helpless as you think. I know that in this space, oftentimes you read so much, you see so much and you think there's, what can I do? I'm just a guy. I'm just a mom. There's so much you can do. So, but in this particular case, here's what you do. Go ahead and download. Uh, you might have it on the show notes or something, or you can go to courageisahabit.org. Go to at uh, couragehabit on Twitter on our profile. Download behind closed doors. Okay, go download behind closed doors, and uh, at the end of that, when you you know see our videos that we've exposed, see the PowerPoints, there's a form that our attorney wrote that you can use immediately. You can mm-hmm. fill out on your computer, print it out, or you can print it out and fill it out. Take it to your school. Then email it. You can do it in person, but even if you do it in person, make sure you email it. And the form basically says school counselors are not allowed to have any one-on-one meetings, formal or informal, with my child without your uh, consent, with mm-hmm. my child without with my child without your uh, written consent. And 
more importantly, equally as important, if they come to you with a different name or pronoun, you have three business days to let me know. And once you, once you put that into the system, it becomes an official document. Now, could they tell you to go pound sand? Some will. But if you can, but the key is getting enough parents to do it to put the heat on them. And if they tell you to go pound sand, now you either have a lawsuit on your hands and or you have momentum to mm -hmm. work with your legislation to go, why can they do this? So you want to be able to pull them out, draw them out by them telling you, hey, go pound sand. We're not going to tell you because right now they're smiling at you going, no, we love parental rights. So make them prove it. I think that's the key, because as we found out during COVID, Stan, find, finding attorneys willing to take this on, mm -hmm. not the simplest not thing easy. to do. And so right. to provide an entry level th threat of legality um, that is available to people en masse, I think that's a key. Alvin, again, let our audience know where they can go and find this material. Very valuable stuff. Thank you. Uh, Courageisahabit.org. Uh, or Twitter, Instagram, at Courage Habit. We make tools and strategies for parents to deal with things. We don't just talk about the problem. We give you tools to do something about it. So we give you tools to take action. We give you strategies. Both Some of it's mental and some of it's actually uh, physical uh, that you can actually do. So courageisahabit.org or at Courage Habit. I got to tell you, uh, my, I, 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 my expectations were low. I did not think that you were going to be able to reach Matthew Peterson's lofty recommendation, but you came pretty close. So props to you, brother. I, you did okay. Well, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Nobody can reach Matthew Peterson uh, level. So we're all, we're all just trying to live in his world. No, this is good. Very valuable information. And thank you uh, for uh, getting in that fight on behalf of uh, families. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Hey, thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. You bet. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that frightening conversation. It is. Uh, I, everything in the news these days, we, we are order 66 was declared. You see what's happening with, uh, PayPal, etc., getting rid of uh, organizations. Uh, you, you see what's going on here. Where yes, even even gays against groomers. Yes. We're all Christian nationalists now. Yeah. Yes. Again, it just if it's coming to you sooner or later, unless you stand for absolutely nothing, and not only that, are willing to punish accordingly, just like them. Really, there's no room to make a decision other than to fight back against this. It is as if just watching, just listening, and as he pointed out as well, it seems hopeless. It seems hopeless if you're in this space and you, you read and you hear this every single day, multiple times every day. It does seem hopeless, but it, it does really feel like at every level, everywhere you turn, there's opposition to just common, common sense, the natural law at every corner. 180 degrees opposed. But as Todd said, it's it's only a problem. It's it's only really a problem if you really believe in nothing. Because mm -hmm. if you believe in something, then you know what? It really doesn't take that many of us. It really doesn't take that many of us to actually hold people accountable and punish people. Again, culture change, you know, political change is good. Totally love that that bill in Tennessee. Matt Walsh is uh, 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 taking butts and kicking names right now, uh, as you pointed out, Steve. Love that bill. But true cultural change happens, as I've pointed out before, where it is so intolerable to even be in the same breath as groomer. That's how scary these that, that, that we have made it to be associated with the groomers and the woke that's when true that's when you know true cultural change Amen. has happened. Yeah. I think that's happening in, on some level. 
that I mean, I think it's evidenced every single time people like uh, what uh, Mr. Louie was just uh, talking about come right out after him, trying to hack the website, trying to mess with them. They are scared of this. This hits a nerve. Keep hitting that nerve. Well said. Theology Thursday is next. Stay tuned. All right, we are back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He is Todders, and you are you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter as well. Don't forget, you can get clips of the show, which you can find over on rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Go and subscribe to our channel there and get clips that you can watch for free that are also free of any censorship. Those of you that listen to the podcast, thank you very much. We've had a huge year of growth and success for the third year in a row on our podcast, and you're a big reason why. So, I mean, we we at least get some of the credit because we're actually doing the podcast, but you get the majority of it because if you weren't tuned in and listening and sharing it and five-star reviewing it, you know, it'd be like we were on the Pac-12 network. No one knew we were here. All right. So thank you to all of you uh, for those five-star reviews. Please keep them coming. If you have yet to give us a five-star review and you're looking for added extra incentive, if you've got a question that you would like to have considered in the next Ask Me Anything that is coming up on Monday show, embed your question into your five-star review and you will go to the front of the line for consideration by Todd. Thanks again to all of you that have hit subscribe, follow, and given us five stars. We appreciate each and every one. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Bullion Max. Inflation, not a biggie. I mean, it didn't go up that much from last month. I mean, it's it's still at the exact same scrotum crushing rate that it was at the last nine months. But it didn't go up that much last month by comparison. So Joe Biden says everything's fine here. It's not fine here. Uh, a stable digital currency is on the way as opposed to the unstable digital currency that we have right now. Ah, find out, folks, why smart people that because of their smarts made money and then knew how to protect their money from government debasement schemes going back centuries have used gold and silver as commodities uh, and hedges against such government scheming. Uh, when you get started with our friends over at Bullion Max right now, get their silver starter kit, and they can't offer a better deal than this, they'll give it to you at employee pricing. They can't make it any more inexpensive than that. Get their silver starter kit, which includes the silver American Eagle and more, at employee pricing. When you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve, that's bullionmax.com slash Steve. Now, word of the wise, this deal is so good, they limit it to just one per household. All right, but you can take advantage today at bullionmax.com slash Steve. So if you guys don't mind, we've got one more chapter to go in my most recent book, Do What You Believe. And I'm going to put it off, the conclusion, we're going to put that off for a week. Because I, I saw over the weekend that all the same bad faith actors with all the same bad takes. I mean, listen, there's nothing like getting your theology from someone who in their bio has an egg with no picture or their OnlyFans rankings. Nevertheless, that is what was 
out and proud over the weekend I saw after what went down with Martha's Vineyard and DeSantis and Greg Abbott and everything else. All kinds of people had takes or something on what Jesus and the Bible and Christianity has to say about immigration. So I took some time out on Saturday. And you know, it must have been quite prevalent for me to take a break from preparing for uh, totally vegging out watching college football all day to do this. I mean, you know what it takes for me to break stride on a college football Saturday and say, okay, I got to go back to the day job here for at least a few minutes, right? I mean, I, I, I'm like lover boy, man. I'm working for the weekend, all right? And I'm, I'm working, I'm working to get to that college football Saturday. So if I, if I took time out from a college football Saturday pregame prep in order to address this topic, you know that the lies had to be fast and furious. Fair? Oh, more than fair. So I, I posted this thread on Twitter. And even though the vast majority of people who gave their takes clearly don't know what they're talking about, I don't trust that the vast majority of you who know otherwise can explain why if challenged. And it's not necessarily your fault. You know, um, chances are your church, if you go to one, uh, they've been better about teaching you five steps to a greener lawn than properly catechizing you against deceptions and threats and heresies against your religion. Fair? You just have, I remember that I used to get in an argument with a guy in my church who was significantly older than me, I guarantee you, who cared more about the infrastructure uh, funding at the church and how we were keeping the bushes trimmed than he did about anything you taught in the church. He got mad if you got serious about that. So you're dead on. Yeah, dead on. So you can't know what you don't know, you know? And it probably shouldn't be a dude who would prefer to spend his entire Saturday vegging out watching college football that you turn to for catechesis. Fair? But the book of Amos exists. Yes. Nonetheless. But, you know, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. Someone must step into the breach. So here I am, Lord, send me. You're the, you're the goat herder we asked for. Uh, indeed. Not the one you, well, <laughs> not the hero you deserve, I guess is what we're saying here. So let's begin. Um, I Because I saw that Big Tech had unleashed its bot armies to try and denigrate upholding border security as unchristlike and fake Christianity. Of course, those, and this is the, this is why I started here, all right? Those without the Holy Spirit cannot possibly know. It's not possible. They cannot possibly know the full character of God in the mind of Christ. And I, I want to pause right there for a second. The reason why you couldn't possibly know is because the, 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 the nature of God is relationship. And that's true if you worship the God of the Bible as a Jew or a Christian. That is true even if we don't necessarily agree on whether Christ is Messiah and in the Trinity. If you're a non-Messianic Jew, it is true. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. That is the creator of the universe calling you into individual relationship and worship of him. The, the creator of the universe calls Abraham out of a pagan 
way of life in a pagan kingdom. To be the father of many nations, first and foremost, God's own nation, Israel. Jacob is given the name Israel, one who wrestles with God. The nature of God is relationship. If you are a Christian and you have the Old and New Testament that you consider to be Scripture, this becomes even more blatant. God puts himself into human form. Emmanuel, we'll be singing about that a lot here in a couple of months. Emmanuel, God with us. God breathes with us, bleeds with us, relieves himself with us, eats with us, drinks with us, prays with us. Without that relational connection, you cannot know the character, a full character of God or the mind of Christ, no matter how much study you have done, you will be missing something. Because this isn't an intellectual pursuit. Think of it as a marriage. And in the New Testament, the relationship between God and his people is often compared to a a bride and a bridegroom, to a marriage. Why? Because that's our that's the most intimate relationship that we can have this side of heaven is a is a marriage. In all ways, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, personally. Without that relationship with with your spouse, you could intellectually observe them and do so like closely, like to the point of uh Restraining order much? But do you really know them? You may know a lot about them, but do you know them? Is that level of connection made? No. And so without the Holy Spirit, you cannot know the full character of God. For Israel, what were her prophets given before they prophesied? What were they given? Spirit of the, God. The Spirit of God. They were given the Holy Spirit. And that is why they were now equipped to communicate the full character of God and word and will of God to the people. Christ says when he finishes his mission here on earth, he will now send corporately to all of his followers. What? What will he send? The helper. What's he referring to? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit. You cannot fully know God. No matter how much you study, you may know a lot about God. I, I originally studied the Bible, true story, because my mother-in-law kept kicking my ass in Bible categories, and I hate losing. So that's the first reason I read the Bible all the way through. And I learned a lot more facts. It didn't draw me into a relationship with God. I can know a lot about something, but I'm called to know something. You're called to know and be known by God. That's why you were made. And so that's why I started with that. Because I could give you all the facts, but they'll make no sense to you. Nor would you be even able to deploy them if you wanted to without this. You couldn't do it. So let's continue on. 
First of all, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, the God of the Old Testament is also Christ. Let me repeat this. The God of the Old Testament is also Christ. Jesus himself says in the Gospel of John, in fact, this was one of the most offensive things that he said to his detractors. Quote, before Abraham was, I am. Why did he use the expression I am? He uses the phrase I am to specifically refer to how God referred to himself when he first called Moses to be the people's deliverer. And Moses says, whom shall I say sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. Christ is specifically invoking that language. So as an aside, if you have been taught, if you consider yourself a Christian and you have been taught that Jesus does not call himself God, but just a son of God, or even the son of uh, the son of God, but not being God in and of himself, that is not what the Bible teaches. And you should ask and get clarity on that. Jesus himself is God. So, the God in Deuteronomy, or the Old Testament, that gave the Israelites boundary stones, another way of describing borders, um, they could not move. They could not move these boundary stones in the, in the Torah. They weren't allowed. That God is Christ, the God who scatters the people at the Tower of Babel to individual nations and tongues is Christ the God in the Old Testament who referred to foreign non-citizens as, quote, aliens. That's where we got the term illegal alien. We got it right out of the Bible, right? Aliens and sojourners. The term aliens, that's what non-citizens were called. That is Christ. The God in the Old Testament who commanded the Israelites to purge Canaan of demon-worshipping cultures in order to make way for them to now. Uh, be uh, they're the urban renewal program they're now the new inhabitants of this land that god is christ the god of the old testament who demanded aliens leave their old religion and customs behind and convert slash assimilate to worshiping him to stay and become citizens is christ that's all right out of the bible for example in the book of ruth many of you we did it at my wedding Many of you have quoted from the book of Ruth or had this quote done at your wedding. It's one of the most wedding quoted portions of scripture right there next with Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 about love is patient and love is kind, right? Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. What is that a reference to? The woman who says this is a Moabite. She is banned for 10 generations from covenantal assembly and worship of Jehovah or God. Yahweh. Why? Because her father Lot got drunk one night with his daughters and got him pregnant. And that's where the nation of Moab came from. And it was an abomination. That's how they celebrated God saving them from Sodom and Gomorrah. They got, they got drunk, naked, and Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what they did. And so as a response to that, they were banished from the assembly for 10 generations by Jehovah. That was their punishment. If you look at the genealogy, she's around the 10th generation. She's now going to leave that land and return to the land of her mother-in-law. What does she say? Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'm converting. I'm leaving the idolatry of Moab behind. And I will worship the God of this land, the only true living God of the universe. 
she's a con- she's a convert. And she ends up in the genealogy of Christ, by the way. This was a requirement to move from alien and sojourner status. You had to convert, or we would call it assimilation in a cultural context. This proves right away that all of your worldly takes on this issue that were trending over the weekend on Twitter, and you've probably heard many other times from snarky theology wannabes who couldn't spell theology, let alone articulate one, are wrong. They're false. They're all out of context. And if you are communicating these things, you are the deceiver. You are deceived by your own unbelief. You are projecting your own biases upon God, which makes you God and not him, which makes you a damnable heretic according to him. The first commandment is what? Love the God with all your heart, mind, soul, and No, strength. I'm sorry, in the Ten Commandments. I should have clarified oh, that. You've been talking about Yeah, the first commandment is, um, I'm the only God. Second commandment is, don't make me into a craven image or anything else mm-hmm. of, of, of any of those other images into a God. You have done that. You have violated the first two commandments if you were part of that hashtag trend of heresies on Twitter over the weekend. You have violated the first two commandments. And they're the first two because they're probably what? what? The most important ones. Like, don't steal wasn't the first commandment, right? We started here. It's the hierarchy of truth. It's the hierarchy of truth. You have violated the first two revealed commandments of God's law to Moses. You have violated them both. Congrats. And chances are, if you violate the first two, how right are you going to be about the next eight, probably? You won't. You won't be. That even if you were to land in the right position, it would be from the entirely flawed, wrong premise. And so that's irrelevant to God in the first place. It's not just that you're intellectually wrong in understanding the Bible, but you are demonstrating your own eternal soul is in peril by such projection, meaning your cavalier willingness in public to openly and brazenly project your own biases and opinions upon the most powerful being in the universe is a sign. You know, a tree by its fruit, right? Yes. The fruit on that tree says that's bad fruit. And it's brazenly bad fruit. Like it's not even, it's not hiding in the shade. It's out in the light. Look at our rotten fruit all over our tree. We're proud of it. Here, come eat some. Because if you had at least a little shame, at least a little humility, you wouldn't be so brazen about showing your lack of shame and with humility, right? You're so brazen about it because your soul is in peril. You are worshiping an idol or a false god, and in this case, the idol is yourself. You are not compassionate, as you claim. You are not. You are self-righteously arrogant. You have made yourself God. You are Luciferian. I will be God. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High, as the prophet Isaiah attributes to Satan at his fall. You're not compassionate at all. You're self-righteously arrogant. And the fact that you will call those of us who strive to follow the Bible and communicate it as best we can, we're the ones that are self-righteous. Christians may be a lot of things. Christians who believe in the Bible may be a lot of things. But if they're following something other than themselves, albeit imperfectly, guess what they can't possibly be? Self-righteous. If I'm getting my definition of righteous from something other than myself, doesn't mean it's right. Could be wrong, right? Yeah. But if I'm getting my definition of righteousness from something other than myself, guess what I could not possibly therefore be? Self-righteous. 
Because right away, I'm starting with a premise, there's something bigger or better than myself. It is those of you that took part in the bot army infestation of heresy on Twitter over the weekend on immigration. You are the self-righteous. You are projecting your own thoughts and opinions. By definition, that's yourself, your definition of righteousness. You're not compassionate at all. You are self-righteous. Now, that is not meant to say that hospitality was not a cultural demand in the ancient world that the Bible comes from, or that it wasn't demanded of God's people because it was, nor that God's people are not commanded to be kind to such aliens or refugees because they are. But we are to show that kindness to reflect the kindness that God has shown us. This is done on a personal level. If I steal your money, Todd, and I put it in the plate at church, did I tithe? No, I'm a thief. I can't tithe with someone else's money. Tithing's an act of worship. If I steal your money, is there any, did I do anything worshipful in that? No. Unless I'm, I'm talking about worshiping myself. No, I'm a thief. This is what, when, when your, your quote unquote self-righteous compassion is thievery. I had a guy come at me for this thread over the weekend with, of course, a Ukrainian flag in his bio. And I, I said, you know what? Use your dwellings, your possessions, tithe with them, tithe with them and open up. Do what Martha's Vineyard would not. Open up your property to an endless flood of illegals. Show us you really mean it. We'll wait. Do you think he probably did that? No. No. When you tithe with someone else's money, you are not tithing. You are stealing. Because God is a God of relationship. I tithe as an individual. I'm judged by God as an individual. I am saved by God as an individual. I am made in the image of God as an individual. I can't, on my judgment seat, say, well, my parents were saved. I never was. So I should get forgiveness of sins from my parents. Did your parents die on the cross? No. No, Jesus did. And who did he die for? You. But you recognize, did you recognize that? No. So th- does it matter that your parents were saved? No. Because you were made in the image of God individually. You cannot steal from someone else. Take someone else's property, someone else's boundaries, someone else's productivity, and then give it to someone else God is not Robin Hood. You don't steal from other people and then say, um, that's my compassion. No, you're just a thief. Justice, righteousness, and holiness are every bit the character of God too, as is kindness and compassion. For example, in Proverbs 6, 30 and 31, the word of God says, and I quote, people do not despise a thief if he steals to to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. We understand when someone is needy. I'm not mad at that person. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. In other words, we are personally compassionate and understanding to those who are without, who steal from us. Because they're without. We have empathy for them. Nevertheless, they have broken God's law just the same, regardless of intent, 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 regardless of intent. And therefore, must pay restitution just the same. The commandment says, Thou shall not steal unless you are hungry. Is that what it says? No. Thou shall not steal unless someone else has more than you, and it's clearly not fair. Is that what it says? No. 
Thou shall not steal unless someone inherited money from a rich family and you still work a, a schlep job and that's just not uh, social justice. Is that what it says? No. No. What does it just say? Don't steal. Don't steal. Period. Are there any, is there a colon, semicolon, comma, no. a, a dot, 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 Larry King? Are there any, none of that? No. They're not 10 suggestions, right? Just says, right. don't do that. So there you go. And you must pay restitution just the same. Because ultimately, you didn't violate me. I'm nothing. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Every good thing I have comes from God. I'm nothing. You didn't violate me by stealing from me. Whom did you violate? God. You stole from him. When Jesus encounters Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus on his way to persecute more Christians, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He says, why are you persecuting me? Because I bought those people with a, at a high price, my own life. They belong to me. They were redeemed by me. That's my headship. That's my lordship that you are persecuting. You are persecuting me, not them. God is not like us. He is both imminent and transcendent. He can proclaim compassion and justice simultaneously. Thus, he doesn't fit into the false narrative of those who reject him and project their own biases, but instead demands you give up such idols and worship him instead. Finally, since Christmas time is just around the corner, let me address this canard about to make a perennial comeback. You hear this every year. And sadly, frankly, from a lot of Catholic priests. Quote, Baby Jesus, Joseph, and Mary were illegal immigrants when they fled to Egypt. Unquote, right? Yeah. Going to hear that one a lot. Um, in a word, no. Egypt, like what the Romans referred to post-Alexander the Great as Palestine or Israel, was under the jurisdiction of the Roman Empire. It was not a sovereign nation. So they did not flee to a sovereign nation without permission for refuge. But another province of Rome this is more like the Dukes escaping Boss Hog in Georgia and fleeing to neighboring Florida instead. Two states under the jurisdiction of the same federal or national government. So other than that, though, this comparison is like totally right. Except for the fact it's wrong about absolutely all of it. It's pretty close. Except for the fact it's completely and totally wrong. It's pretty close to right. In conclusion, all your projections... Hot takes, pretend compassions, bleeding heart heresies. They are all wrong, both in the spirit and letter of God's word and law. However, Jesus died for these and all of your other sins because he loves you. You don't have to be an ass clown, part of the bot army on Twitter, blaspheming your creator and your savior. You don't have to. You can repent, follow him, and be saved from hell. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Sorry, when you asked me uh, about tithing and if you steal my money and then pay the church with it, did you tithe? You asked me a far more loaded question than you thought, which is why I paused, because I know within the Catholic Church, that, and immigration is um, the same. It, it, we, you made idols of particular issues. When those idols are not under the banner of worship, which is why it's so important when you said, what are the what's the first commandment? I am. No truth makes sense unless that is prioritized correctly. If you never do that, if you cheat on that, you get at my church all the time. It'll spend. We got to pay the bills, folks. We got to get the money. How much time are they spending on marriage? 
how much time are they spending on life? How much they, what time are they spending on what true liberty is? That it, it, it's so fundamental to my frustrations with where the church is today. This line that Steve told you something that specifically is born out of immigration. But when he talked to me about this, I said, without even talking about the specifics, the real gift you're giving people is the proper human hermeneutic about understanding that all of your motivations on any issue, any single issue, personal or corporate, must come through the lens of worship, the one true God. That is extraordinarily well said, Todd. You know, is God is simultaneous. I love that. I love that reminder that you just gave, Steve. God is simultaneously capable of showing justice and compassion at the same time. Are we as humans capable of doing that? Well, it becomes a little bit more complicated. And so there's always going to be there's always going to be um, east of Eden imperfect systems. That's a far cry from the conversations we're having right now. This is not just an imperfect system when it comes to immigration that we have embraced, that many Christians, Christians have embraced. It is a far from, we are far away. That, that ship has sailed. We are in a currently 180 degrees opposed to the word of God plan with immigration. We are in an in- inherently immoral immoral it's not even approaching your fake compassion is actually immorality because of all of the tentacles that illegal immigration just affects the average working person and the average working family in this country your compassion is not compassion it's immorality not to mention the nefarious elements you may be tempting the, the illegals themselves to get themselves drawn up into. Back here on the Steve Day Show, and you know, we don't have uh, too many opportunities these days to not do business with industries and uh, companies that hate us. Thankfully, there is one place where such an opportunity exists, and it just so happens to be with a product that we all pretty much have to use these days to survive in modern America. That's our mobile phones. Make the switch today from your provider to Patriot Mobile. Chances are you'll get pretty much the same coverage map that you already have because they all pretty much use the same towers these days. Uh, but you'll, you'll also now, though, uh, get the satisfaction of knowing you're not directly funding people that hate you. Uh, Patriot Mobile is really America's only American mobile phone company. I know it can be a hassle, particularly if you've got multiple lines. Was We put it off for that reason for years. Last fall, our, fi- our family finally said, all right, enough is enough. T-Mobile wants to censor text messages now about COVID. We're out. And we did it. And there they handled our situation with a plum. And then I kind of thought, you know, like those um, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, State Farm ads that they got the, the discount for, you know, being the, uh, the endorser. And I've heard from so many of you that made the switch, too, and they did a great job with you guys as well. So that's just who they are at Patriot Mobile, which is why if you're a veteran or first responder, when you go to make the switch, let them know, and they'll give you even bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, a free activation 
when you make the switch with the offer code Steve. When you head to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Or you can just call them at 972-PATRIOT. And now it's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. All right, three hopefully good non-political questions. Should always give you confidence when I start off the segment with hopefully good. Because that means I'm hoping as well, as much as you are. Question number one. What are the four most underrated NFL uniforms, current NFL uniforms? And no, you can't say the San Diego powder blue. No, because everybody knows how great those are. How great they are. uh, Those are. So four most underrated NFL uniforms. So things like the, the, you know, the the Cowboys, the Raiders. Yeah, those classic ones. Those are all out, right? Um, I would say underrated, uh, I think the, um, the Giants, Whites, with that, with that red and blue trim, okay. I think those are really underrated. Uh, I like, I, th- I like those quite a bit, and no one really talks about those as you know, really dope jerseys. I'm going to say the Lions th- throwbacks that they wear. Oh, just the all silver without the lion on, um, on there. Or they're all blue, but the silver helmet without the lion. Oh, on. Okay, and yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's more of a, a. a it's not a powder, but it's it's less of it's a lighter blue than what the normal uniforms are, and they wear those high blue socks. Those that when they bring those out on Thanksgiving, sometimes those are really sharp. I'm going to say those. Um, so I need two more, right? Yep. Let me think of really quick two others that no one ever really talks about. Um, I'm going by division here in my head. Um. I can give you my four real quick. If yeah, you, you go ahead then. So I I think, might, maybe you, you'll, I, you'll give me an inspiration. I don't know why I didn't realize this watching the uh, Eagles game the other night. Well, both of these teams. I think the Vikings are underrated. I I love the the horns on the the helmet. That's and I like that the white. What bothers white. me about their the, their home is like the they, it's different way, shades of purple. Yeah, the purple is is really weird. And they really need to go back to the glossy helmets. I hate the the matte helmets. But overall, their uniform is underrated. The Eagles would probably, if I were, were ranking. The Eagles would probably actually be number one of most underrated uniforms. And maybe maybe that's a classic uniform and I'm like betraying some some of my own criteria here. But that shade of green really pops Um, further down my list. I think the Tennessee Titans, the color combination is super cool. And I understand it's not as good as the Oilers. But as far as newer uniforms go, I I really like the Tennessee Titans, especially do they still have all white helmets? I'm trying to uh, think Mm -hmm. about that Mm -hmm. in my head. So, yeah, those they have have both shades, but they more often than not wear white. Those uniforms are really cool. And then I think I think um, I know. I know, again, I know you. I know a lot of people in this audience like just the classic uniforms. I still think the Patriots' newer uniforms are better than the the actual Colonial Man uh, hiking a football. Yeah, I, think I those totally are, disagree with I, that. I think those uniforms are super cool. All right, so actually, I would. I don't have any of those picks. Um, I I'm gonna go with the uh, 
the orange Buccaneers throwbacks from when we were kids that they're they're going to bring them back actually next year. They're going to start wearing those again next year. I think I read. Wow. You know the Buccaneer on the helmet. Of course. I think those are very underrated. Very underrated. So that's three. And you know what? For underrated, I'm going to go with your Chiefs. Really? With the red and the white, it it just it's a sleek look. It pops. You know, that's I don't. True. It, it wouldn't be like a top five uniform or anything. But the question was underrated. underrated yeah. So I'm going to go with that. I like that. Yeah. I've got uh, the Eagles, the Saints, the 49ers. Oh, the Saints is a good one. Yeah. When they have the whatever version of red they have on. But number one, it's funny because I think I have a, this is an uncomfortable conversation for me. We're talking about men's outfits. Uh, but uh, I'm totally comfortable with this conversation. I, I did just, yeah, I know you are. I'm so confident I, in my masculinity. You know what? Someone just comfortable said. Comfortable within my masculinity. Yes. That this is not uncomfortable for me, Todd. Kyle Self just said, Where are you at with the Falcons throwbacks? You know what? You're right. Those are I'm getting too. rid of your Chiefs and I'm putting the Falcons throwbacks on my Saints, Mount Rushmore of underrated uniforms. Those Saints, are sweet. Saints need to ditch the all black uniforms, though. But I did just comment to my wife on Monday. The, the the Buffalo Bills the, with the white helmets and the the blue that they mm-hmm. now uh, yeah. those are spectacular. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it those is are nice, very American, and I love the Buffalo. That's very American. But see, that's where I get into what's underrated or not. Like, would we all recognize those are really cool, or there was still kind of a hidden gem? You know what I'm saying? And so, but yeah, I agree with you that that is a that's a that's a tough look, or that's a filthy look. I love it. Yeah. Question number two, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees is primed to set the American League record for home runs. He's sitting on 60. The record is 61. Uh, First of a two-part question, what do you think is the number that Aaron Judge will end up on? And secondly, will anyone ever break Barry Bonds' MLB record of 73 home runs in a season? Why or why not? You want to take this one first? Well, anybody, I don't. I think it's uh, probably he'll end up on oh, 64. Isn't that what McGuire ended up at 63, didn't he? That sounds right. Yeah. I think he'll end up at 60. No, he ended up at 70. No, that's. Wait, yeah, I McGuire think right. got to 70? Yeah, yeah McGuire oh, got no, to 70. Because yeah, right, I right, remember the yeah, Jack yeah, book yeah. call, 70 yeah. home runs. Yeah, 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 I remember that now. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I'll say, like, I'll say 64. Uh, but um, I don't think anybody's going to get to. 73 unless they're doing steroids so we're at so the yankees have played 148 games they have what two weeks left in the season yep. they have 14 games and he's at 60 right now yep i could see four or five more because i don't think the there's any of the amount of pressure on him that would have existed in other eras right. okay so okay I'll, i could go with 64 and um and I don't consider Bonds' record no. legitimate. I don't no. consider Maguire's record legitimate. All right. So to me, Aaron Judge is about to become the home run champ, regular yeah. season home run champion. And Hank Aaron will always be the home run champion uh, until someone else comes along and replaces him. Uh, that's not, you know, artificially inseminated. Which is actually why people are debating this yesterday on the radio. What are you more excited to see Judge break? Roger Maris's record and become the AL king mm-hmm. or um, Pujols getting to 700. Most people were saying 700. I'm the other way because of what you just said. This uh, this guy apparently is legitimately doing this without the drugs. Uh, and listen, Albert Pujols, brilliant final end to his career. But 
It, it, the thing it, is, Poulos might be 700 years old. Do we still know? Do we actually know how old that guy is? No. There's been a lot of talk about that over the years. I just, for me, uh, what Judge is doing in this single season is is pretty amazing, and is it doesn't have a lifetime achievement aspect to it. I mean, he, he hasn't been a primetime player for a long time, Albert Pujols, and that's mm-hmm. why I think this is more exciting. So I think he ends up at 63, so lower than both of you, but he does set the record, and I don't... Uh, or I do think, actually, that we could see in the realm of 70 to 73 uh, home runs at some point. I, baseball is in a precarious uh, position. Why is that? Well, the games are too long. We t- This is a can of worms, I understand. The games are too long. And then the second complaint, or maybe the first complaint, or complaint uh, 1A and 1B, well, there's not enough scoring. It's not exciting enough. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both because the more scoring you are, you, you do, guess what? The games are longer. So I, I do think, though, they are going to try to have their cake and eat it, too. I do think that there's going to be maybe a, an effort. So we're going to going to be on a pitch clock, I believe, starting next year. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. So that's going to make things faster. And then they're going to also I think that's going to harm pitchers uh, efficiency, if you want to call it that. And I do think at some point down the line, they're going to try to juice the bats or juice the balls. So and in, in order to try to shorten the games and make them higher scoring as well. So I do think we're going to see somewhere in the realm of 70. But I also agree that that uh, that record is not legit. Here's the other thing, too. Judge is third in hitting right now. He could win the triple yeah. crown. And he's yeah. he's he's up seven in RBIs. So and that's that's in all of the major leagues. I think when when Miguel won it about 10 years ago, that was just in the American League. Right. So that's where he's at in all of the major leagues. So he's tied for the American League lead in hitting right now. Um, Of course, he's way ahead in home runs, and he's up by 13 RBIs. I mean, so now now you throw in the home run record, you're essentially combining Miguel Cabrera and Roger Maris into one season here. You're talking about like a top five season of all time. And yeah, which is amazing that he still might not win the MVP because of Otani. Oh, Otani's he's a out top there. five pitcher and hitter. Yeah, because he's basically Babe Ruth. He's yeah. both but when Ruth was a pitcher and for Red Sox and a hitter for the Yankees. We're living yeah. in a time of true greatness and baseball just isn't what it is anymore. I mean, heck, Steve, do you remember the amount of time America just spent watching the McGuire Sosa? I, I'm, Cal Ripken just I, showing up to play? I mean, I knew everybody's stats. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Final question. If you are stuck on an elevator for 12 hours with one of these three beings, who would you most want to be stuck with? Ebony Ma, David Hogg, or Jackson Mahomes? Remind me who Jackson Mahomes is. Uh, think so it's Mahomes' little brother. Think of the absolute worst stereotype of Gen Z and then multiply it by 10. Oh, Ebony Ma. I'm going yeah, go to go Ebony Ma. Ma. You, you, you just the premise of the question says he's not going to kill me. I just have to endure him, and it'd be pretty fascinating. I mean, he's got a philosophy that he lives by a code. Kind of want to unpack that thing and see, you know, where'd you start from? Where did little Ebony Ma start his trail to being the henchman? My answer would be David Hogg, and I know why you're for reasons yeah. I will not say out loud. Yeah. In this portion of the show, brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. In these unprecedented times, Bing. 
Yes, uh, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, but particularly in these unprecedented Let's Go Brandon times, more than ever... I said it again. There you go. You're on it. Uh, it is necessary that you are working with the right agent. And that's what we do here at realestateagentsitrust.com. Connect you to the best agents in every market. We do our homework. We talk to every agent. We vet them before inviting them to join the network. Uh, full-time professionals with vetted proven track records of success. So our team makes the introduction and follows through to make sure that they're navigating the buying and selling process for you all the way to the end. The process to get started is simple. Just head over to realestateagentsitrust.com today, provide us some basic info, and then our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents. When you go again to realestateagentsitrust.com, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Bonus questions? Sure. Okay. Uh, this weekend's uh, Michigan minus 17, Wisconsin plus 19, and Iowa minus 7 or, uh, at 7.5. So Steve. our three favorite teams. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Are you taking Minish- uh, Michigan uh, minus 17? I only get one. Yep. I think I would take Iowa minus 7.5 because I kind of feel like Rutgers is going to try to beat Iowa Playing at what Iowa, Iowa already yeah. does. And I could see... I mean, 14 is, to 3. Is this the greatest punter battle in the history of intercollegiate football? Two guys at Iowa and Rutgers. Think about that. This is the, this is a punt off. You said okay? Iowa's minus seven? Seven and a half. Huh. Let's not forget the hook there, Todd. But I, I mean, I could see it being 10-7 Iowa, and then they, they block a punt or get a pick six in the fourth quarter and win like 17-7. to seven. In the other two games, I, those numbers to me just kind of reek of backdoor cover possibilities, particularly in the Michigan-Maryland case with Maryland's offense. Like I could see that being like, you know, up by 21. Yeah, you're up 41 21, and yeah. Maryland puts one in at the end of the game, and the back door is wide open, right? Okay. So I think of those three, if I had to choose one of them, I would, I would actually lay the points with Iowa because of the opponent and the style of play. The so o- Wisconsin is plus 19, Todd. The only dog I won't take is Wisconsin. I'll take the other two dogs. Michigan. Uh, for reasons he talked about, Michigan just has not played anybody yet. And that that's not a dig. Michigan plays people normal. I mean, they play Notre Dame. I don't know why they have the schedule and it's done in advance, but that that was paltry. It's a Big Ten team. So I think that factors into this. I just, I don't, Iowa has no business being fact, favored by seven against anybody right now. But Wisconsin is just not shown that they're up to the task of playing with this Ohio State team. I, I, I just would not. 19 sounds about right to me. I I could make, it'd be a harder case, but I, I don't know. With the tradition and, and pride that Wisconsin as a program has, I mean, nobody is giving them any chance this weekend. So yeah, there's, that, there's that factor, but I would rather take Michigan minus 17. Yeah, they haven't played anybody, but I mean... You did what you're supposed to do to terrible teams. And I just really, I'm not really sure if I trust Maryland's defense yet or really their entire team, although they look improved, to be oh, able to even you, cover uh, you know, back. I'm not calling I think it's on funny Maryland that the three of us, all, the, none of the three of us were willing to take our own favorite teams. Yeah. I found that fascinating. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, Final thoughts? Uh, Got about a minute. Hopefully, uh, college football needs to. It, it's scheduling. It's it's good grief. I mean, last week, the start, the the opening round of games, you try, can, you you guys are focused on all the wrong things in college football and making it good. How about having good matchups? Because 
you, you, everybody needs to schedule better if you want if you want to be taken seriously for the right reasons. We're going to stick around, do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. It'll be, of course, with the Dace Group and more. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.